Good morning. Good morning, graduates. <laughs> uh, we're going to be uh, in the book of Hebrews this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. I'll give you guys some time to turn there. 23 through 25 are the verses. Well, graduates, it is time. It is time to move forward into the new season of your life, and it's going to be awesome. I know there's a mixed emotion of fear and excitement and disappointment of leaving um, friends, family, but it's going to be awesome. So I, I hope that um, the word this morning in Hebrews will encourage you, exhort you, um, and uh, so let's go to the, uh, to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you would um, speak through me, through the Holy Spirit. I pray that your word would be kept um, holy, God, and that, you, that your word would um, be applied to our lives. Lord, let this be a reminder to us that, that follow you, Jesus. And uh, I pray that we would hold fast to this confession of the hope that we have in you alone. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 uh, through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, all the more as you see the day drawing near. The uh, author of Hebrews knew his audience very well. He knew that they were Christians. Of course, Hebrews uh, is referring to uh, the, uh, the lineage of the Jews and the, and the race of the, the Jewish people. And, and uh, these are Jewish Christians that have converted from Judaism to Christianity. And they have, they have uh, seen that Jesus, and they have recognized that Jesus is the fulfillment of of the Old Testament that they have been brought up to believe and to, to hold. They, they've been brought up to obey the laws of the Old Testament, to, um, to uh, read the prophets and, and understand that the, the sacrifices that uh, are made are for our, the, the atonement for our sin, but it's only a shadow. And, and, and the, the blood of, of animals could never take away our sin and so, and all of this, all the sacrifices were pointing to Jesus, pointing to Jesus being the one uh, that, would, that would come to earth, that would, the, the second person of the Trinity would put on skin and bone. God himself would become man and would live the life that we could never live. Live and obey the law completely, unlike any Human being, even the greatest heroes of the Old Testament, could not live according to the law perfectly. But yet Jesus came, and he did. 
And then he died the death that we deserved because sin separates us from God. And sin leads to death. And so Jesus did not deserve to die, but he died to take away our sin, to pay for our sin, and then rose again to give us life and victory over sin, over death, here, now, as well as in the future. That is the hope that um, the author of Hebrews is telling these Jewish Christians to hold fast to. He knows that they're, that they're saved. He knows the, his audience so well that he knows that these, uh, these uh, Jews, these Hebrews, are saved. They have confessed that Jesus is Lord, and they, they have this hope. And the, uh, the author of Hebrews knows that, and he's telling them, hold on fast to that hope. Hold on fast to your confession of that hope. Confession could also be translated as profession, to profess. Um, he says, keep on telling yourself about the hope that you have. Keep on telling others about the hope that you have in Christ. Keep on reminding yourself of that. I know you know that. I know you know about Jesus. I know you know that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. But keep on knowing that. Keep on reminding yourself of that. And don't waver. Don't waver. Because sometimes we are prone to waver. The hope that we have is not just wishful thinking like maybe uh, some people on the outside, maybe unbelievers would think that the hope that we have in Christ is just wishful thinking. It is not just wishful thinking. And I think in, in some, sometimes when we use the, the, the word hope in the English language, we can kind of get confused maybe as, as about what hope means in God's word. And, and we say things like, well, I hope I can make, to, make it to the graduation on time. If uh, this pastor doesn't go too long, right? Uh, I hope to have a cheeseburger for lunch, right? It's something that you, you wish for, but it may or may not come true. But that's not the hope that we have. The hope that we have is a secure promise. It is a secure promise in Jesus. In the fact that Jesus has done what we could never do. And he has paid the price that we could never pay for us, and he has given us new life here and now, as well as a hope for the future, a hope to have eternal face-to-face relationship with him. So he says, keep on holding to that hope. Keep on telling yourself and others, keep on reminding yourself and others of this hope. Like I said, because we are prone to forget sometimes, even as Christ followers, we are prone to to forget and, and prone um, to waver because he says um, hold fast without wavering. We're prone to waver. Uh, like the song says, um, come thou fount. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, the God that loves me. We are prone to that in our own, uh, by ourselves. By ourselves, we are prone to that. So he says, hold on fast. Those that, <clears throat> excuse me, in, in verse six, uh, 26, the, the verse after 25 uh, that we just read, in verse 26, there's a warning 
about living a lifestyle of wavering uh, or uh, living a lifestyle in sin. And, um, and it says, if you continue to live a lifestyle of sin, if you continue to live a lifestyle of wavering, if you start to waver and don't stop, right, and you, and you, and you don't live a lifestyle of following Jesus, that means you don't have saving faith. That means you don't have saving faith. So those that keep on holding to that hope, keep on doing that, those that keep on doing that, have saving faith. And maybe you think, well, that kind of goes without saying, right? That kind of goes without saying. But there's so many uh, scripture passages in uh, the New Testament uh, and in Hebrews as well, uh, so many uh, verses in Hebrews that warn and exhort Christians, Bible-believing, Christ-following Christians, to keep on going on. Um, and, and we have a hope to, to hold on to, and we have salvation only if we hold fast to our confidence. Hebrews 3.6. If we continue in the faith. Colossians 1.23. Hebrews 3.14. If we have, uh, we, excuse me, we have been partakers of Christ. If we hold fast to the end. If we confess that we have hope in Christ, we must continue to confess that. We're living in a war. We are living in a war. And, and uh, God has called us to put on the full armor of God. Right? God has called us to put on the full armor of God. And if you uh, expect to fight a war without any armor, then you will lose. And so we must be uh, take initiative to put on this armor and to keep reminding ourselves of these scriptural truths, even when we don't feel like, like they may be true. Our feelings can deceive us, right? And so we must keep on that armor of God to defend ourselves against the devil's schemes, because he will. He will try to trip you up. He will try to get you to waver and to not confirm your calling and election. We can't get lazy. We cannot coast in our spiritual walk. We must continue in obedience. So, does this mean that obedience is what saves us? Everybody say, no! No. J.D. Greer says, Our perseverance in holy living is not the basis of our salvation, but it is a source of our assurance. In other words, obedience cannot save us, but it is a proof that we are saved. I, uh, I grew up going to a Christian school. I went to a Christian school starting in kindergarten, and uh, times two, actually, all the way through 12th grade, all right? So I went to the same Christian school for 14 years, all right? And then I graduated high school and went to a Christian university. And I know uh, many of you that are graduating um, in this season are, have gone to a Christian school and are graduating from a Christian school. And if I were to think, or if you were to think, that just because I went to a Christian school, or you went to a Christian school, or you were brought up in a Christian home and brought up in church, and go, you went to Sunday school, you went to youth group, that, that now that that foundation is built, then you can just kind of coast spiritually and you'll be fine when you go off to this next stage of your life, whether that be college, work, okay? That would be foolish. 
Don't think that you can just kind of relax now in your faith and, 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 uh, and think that you will be good. You cannot be lazy in your faith. We, remember, we are in a war. And you have to continue putting on the armor of God, reminding yourself of the hope that you have in Christ. I say this because I had a lot of, uh, of friends, um, people that I graduated high school with from my Christian school. I would say 95% of them are not walking with the Lord right now. And I went through high school with them. I, some of them I went through elementary school and high school with them. And, and they would profess to know Jesus at that time. They would, they would profess that they were Christ followers. They knew the, the things to say. They really did. And they looked genuine. They really did. But now they are not following Christ. Now, if obedience is proof, then, then it, it, of our saving faith, and I would say they don't have saving faith. Now, now does that mean that they, that they could never have saving faith? Well, no. They, there's still hope. There's still hope for them because the day of judgment, like we'll talk about here in, uh, in a second, has not come yet. God's mercies are new with every morning. If there is a new morning, then there is, uh, then there is hope for you. There is hope for the wavering Christian. There is hope for the, for the unbeliever that is living a lifestyle of sin to, to accept Jesus as Lord of their life. There is hope. This is the hope that we're talking about, that the, the, the text is talking about this morning. <clears throat> Moving on, the, the uh, author of Hebrews gives us a reason to hold fast to our hope without ra- wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Or you could say, because. Hold fast to your hope without wavering. Because he who promised is faithful. Guys, this is, this is the good news. This, what, this is what makes holding on to, or this, is what, this is what should motivate you to hold on to, to the confession of your, your hope. This is what should motivate you. God is a promise keeper. God is a promise keeper. The truth is, we're all going to waver sometimes, aren't we? We are all going to waver. We're all going to kind of mess up, and we're all going to act unloving at some, at some point, even a mature Christ follower, right? We're still being sanctified, but we're, we're all going to waver. And, the, and the, the other side of that coin is when we are faithless, 2 Timothy 2.13 says, when we are faithless, he remains what? Faithful. When we are faithless, he remains faithful. He is a promise keeper. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. He cannot break his word. If we repent, he will forgive. Our salvation is held fast by Jesus and the Father. Check this verse out. In, in, in John 10, verse 28 through 29, uh, Jesus is, is talking. He says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. You're in Jesus' hand. My Father, who has given them to me, he's greater than all. 
and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. You're in Jesus' hand. You're in the Father's hand. No one is able to snatch you out of their hand. You are loved by Christ. You are loved by the Father. He has loved you first. So if you hold on to the confession of your hope, know that that's not of your own doing. Know that Jesus, know that the Father has uh, peeled away the blinders from your own eyes and has made you see that your need for a Savior. See your need for Jesus. He is the one that has reached out to you first. So of course he's going to keep you. Of course he's going to hold you in his hand. So let that be the reason, guys. If Jesus holds on to us without wavering, then let's hold on to Jesus without wavering. He's never going to waver. He's always going to hold on to us if we believe, if we follow him. He is always going to hold on to us. So let's hold on to him. Man, let that be the reason, and let that be an encouragement to you to hold on to Christ. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. To stir up one another. Have you ever heard someone say, man, you're really pushing my buttons, aren't you? You just know exactly which buttons to push, and you're pushing all of them. Have you ever, maybe you've said that before. Have you ever heard someone say that, or have you said that before? Is that a good thing, or is that a bad thing, usually, when, when you say that? Usually a bad, right? Usually you mean like the, the person uh, that's doing that, the person that's pushing your buttons is, is provoking you to anger. They know exactly what to say and it, or maybe exactly what to do and they do it just in the right way to really get on your nerves, to really annoy you or to really frustrate you or really make you angry. And unfortunately, sometimes uh, those that do that to us are the ones closest to us because they know exactly what buttons to push, don't they? Uh, The language of pushing buttons, if you will, is is kind of the the language that the author here is is uh, exhorting these Christians to do. He's saying, push people's buttons. Push other Christians in your life. Push their buttons. Figure out... What, what buttons to push in order for them to love, in order for them to do good works, in order to, for them to keep following Jesus, to love others, to love God, to keep on doing good works, to keep on living out their salvation. Consider, consider it, it means think about, strategize. Come up with a strategy of figuring out how you can press other people's buttons, okay? Provoke uh, other Christians around you to love, to good works. Um, and uh, I, think, I think strategy is important because oftentimes when we maybe come up to someone and we, well, you know, we try to encourage them, hey, you should, you should be a little bit more loving, Hey, you know, you kind of lack this uh, area of good works. Maybe you lack, well, you know, whatever it is, right? And, and so we come up to someone and say that, and what, what's their reaction naturally going to be? What would our reaction naturally be? Well, who do you think you are? 
Why are you telling me to do that? That's, who do, you, do you think you're some holy person that has everything together? I think the author is, is, is challenging us to strategize, to think, to consider, because sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to, to provoke one another in a loving way, in, in, in a way that uh, would be uh, Christ-like, and uh, in, in a way where they would actually listen to what you would have to say. But, but he, he's calling us to, to provoke, to, to make it their desire to love. To make it their passion to keep on keeping on. To keep on doing good works. How can you make it their idea almost, right? And, and so some examples, some practical maybe examples of that is to really show that you care about that person, right? Really show that you care. Maybe they're relational, so maybe take them out to coffee or eat a meal with them and, 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 and show that you care, have a, have a relationship with them. If it's maybe, you know, a lot of guys, not all guys, but a lot of guys like to do sports and activities and things, and that's how you can, can, can connect with other guys. And, and so maybe, go, you know, go play sports, or I like to play ping pong, you know, play ping pong with someone, go shoot guns with someone, and, 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 and care about them, and do things that they enjoy doing, and encourage them in what they're doing right. Say, man, I, I see this, that, and the other. You are, you are doing such a good job at following Christ in these ways. And, uh, and maybe even uh, as you bring up things that you, you see them, uh, I guess, that, that they would be lacking, and maybe they would be lacking in love for each other, or, or a devotion to the Lord, or, or whatever spiritual discipline it is, bring that up, and maybe you could even say, oh, you know what, I need to be reminded of these things too, and maybe we could help each other. We could help and exhort each other in this area. All right? So, and this is kind of scary, and it might kind of be uncomfortable for some people to do, and maybe it's just easier to go talk to someone else about so-and-so's problems, right? Man, they, they, they really need to love God more. They need to love others more, but... The author of Hebrews is telling you to go and exhort your fellow believer to love and good works. Also, surround yourself with people that will do that to you. Surround yourself with friends that will do that to you. If you have friends and if you're making friends in college graduates that uh, are, are people that may be Christians, maybe they call themselves Christians, but they're not exhorting you, then then maybe you need to maybe find another friend, okay? Uh, find another group of friends. You need to start exhorting uh, the, the Christian friends that you make. Surround yourself with those kind of people. Moving on in uh, verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some graduates. When you go um, look and, and you go out of state or out of town to other colleges, uh, other uh, places to work, and you're looking for a church home, be careful when you go church shopping. Um, for us as Americans, we uh, approach everything as a consumer, including church uh, shopping, if you will. And we, we, we go to a church and we visit a church and, and we're, we're concerned about the way the, the, the worship music makes us feel. You know, is it really connecting me with, with, with God? Do I really 
feel something inside me, and if I don't feel a certain way, then, then well, this is just not the place for me. Or, um, well, everybody around is not that cool, you know, the, uh, you know, whatever, the, the stage and the lighting is not that cool, so maybe this is not the church for me. And you're, you're kind of looking for things that kind of appease your senses and appease you. And, he, and in, in this passage in Hebrews, the, the author says nothing about looking for things that are going to encourage your own spiritual growth. It, it doesn't. All it's t- telling you to do in this passage is to encourage others, exhort other believers. Make sure you're involved in doing things to help uh, other Christians to keep on keeping on. Right? So, uh, so this passage, when it talks about exhort, uh, exhorting one another, let us uh, consider how to stir each other up, and then later on, um, let us consider how to, or uh, encourage one another. Okay, this is talking about you. This is talking about you, what you're supposed to be doing. So if you're looking for a good church, why don't you be a good member of a good church and, and, and start doing that yourself and start, uh, and start thinking about how you can do that and, and surround yourself with, with those kind of people as well. Um. Going to church is not about what you can get out of it, right? And church is also not a social club. And maybe you guys already know that. Maybe you guys already know that church is not a social club. But remember that we are in a war. Like I said earlier, we are in a spiritual war. And when we approach church as something that we can just kind of feel good about and sit back and and be served— then we're not, we're not being proactive in this war that we're in. Um, God has made each and every one of us a member of the church body. Like, like uh, Paul talks about, <clears throat> he, he, he calls uh, each person a member of the body like uh, a hand or a foot or an eye, right? And so each and every one of you is a particular member. Each and every one of you has certain giftings, a certain skill set. Um, maybe you don't know how that fits in with, with serving in the church, but it does, okay? And I would encourage you as you go to other churches, maybe you stay here in the church, consider how you would serve, how you would serve in different ministries. Maybe it's youth ministry. Maybe it's children's ministry. Maybe it's uh, the worship music ministry, but consider things of how you can get involved and do. Remember, we're in a war. We've got to get up. We've got to stand up and start doing and start encouraging one another, start serving one another. Um, and we should not neglect going to church. The church will always need you, and you will always need the church. It's not, uh, excuse me, you're going to get out what you put in. You're going to get out what you put in. Some have, have uh, chosen to make a habit out of not going to church. This is what the, the, this passage is, is saying. Some have made it a habit of not going to church. Well, I don't need to go to church. I'm, mature, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a mature Christian. I don't need to, to involve myself with church. 
discipline yourself to go to church. You need the church, and the church needs you. Don't be a bedside Baptist. That was a joke. Anyway, uh, moving on. So it says, uh, not neglecting to, to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. But encouraging one another. We talked earlier about exhorting one another, prodding one another, provoking one another to love and good works. But as you do that, be encouraging. And um, also, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy to be encouraging to the body of Christ. You would think it would be easy because, well, we're all Christians, right? We're all saved by grace. We're all good people, right? Well, no, we're a bunch of misfits. That's what the church is. It's a bunch of misfits. It's, about, it's not a bunch of people that are morally, uh, are morally good. It's about a bunch of people that are morally bad, that, that, that realize they need a Savior, and they have found that Savior, the one true Savior in Jesus. And they have found hope in Him. And, and, and we're all at different levels of um, sanctification. We're all maturing in different ways. And some people have... Uh, uh, issues with, with people, and, and, and people are going to hurt you. People, are, people of the church, sanctified Christians are going to hurt you. And don't let that be something that uh, causes you to give up on the church or causes you to not or to stop encouraging one another. Don't let that be something that uh, stops you from encouraging one another. Be Jesus. How many times has Jesus forgiven you of your sin? How many times has Jesus been patient with you? How many times has Jesus encouraged you? Think about that. And when others are, even of the body of Christ, when others, you don't feel like, when you feel like they're hurting you and they, that you just want to avoid them, don't avoid them. Be Jesus. Forgive them. Be patient with them. Encourage them. Uh, be Jesus. We're called Christians, right? What does Christian mean? You guys know? Little Christ, right? We're supposed to be like Christ, little Christ, to these, the, the people around us, to other Christians, especially, and also to the world. And like I said earlier, as you exhort, encourage let it be done in love. Let everything you do be done in love, even exhorting. Remember, don't, <clears throat> don't point out a speck in, in, in someone else's eye when you have a plank in your own, right? Be gentle. Be encouraging. Be comforting to those around you. Because, the last point, the day of salvation and the day of judgment is near. And as you see the day of salvation and the day of judgment drawing even nearer by the day, by the second, let this be a reminder that you need to continue to encourage. We are one day closer than we were yesterday to the day of judgment. And like I said, God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning, every day that the sun rises, 
is a new day of grace and of mercy. Let that encourage you that judgment has not come yet. Think about people that you can share your hope with, that you can confess and profess your hope in Jesus with. Also, the day of salvation is the same day. So, so, uh, what will be uh, the day of judgments for some will be the day of salvation for those that believe and follow Christ. So, encourage one another. You're going to be spending eternity with them, so don't avoid them. Don't avoid them. Continue to meet together. Continue to gather together, even if you might not like them, and even if they may hurt you. Continue to encourage. Continue to be Jesus, because that's what we're going to be doing in eternity. We're going to be gathering together. We're going to be with each other, with Jesus. And our glorification will be complete. So, who in your life can you be intentional about sharing your hope with? Who in your life can you be intentional about sharing your hope with? Now remember, we're supposed to Tell ourselves, we need to be intentional about reminding ourselves of the hope we have. We need to be telling others, but others include believers and unbelievers. We need to continue to talk about the hope that we have. So who can you share your hope with as you go off to school, as you go off into the workforce, as you, um, as you go off into other Uh, this other season of your life, doing different things. Think about people around you and how you can share your hope with them. Let us stand as we pray. Father, we thank you again for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, the hope that you will never let us go and that you hold fast to us. So let us hold fast to you, Jesus. Let us continue our relationship with you. Let us not waver. And when we do waver, I pray that we would get back on the horse, Lord, and, and, and keep pursuing you, keep reminding ourselves of how much you love us and how much what and what all you have done for us through Jesus. Give us practical examples and, and, and people in our minds that we can share our hope with. Help us strategize in how to share that hope. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.